BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Straight ahead on The Insiders, the numbers show that most people who want a job in our state have one. But we will talk to a woman who looks behind those numbers to see the unmet needs Iowans have that she wants politicians to realize. Plus, that principal shaved his head to help struggling families in another country. But we'll talk to another principal from that same town whose leadership led to a national honor. And then the Insider's Quick Six, yes, we will go there. We're going to mix religion and politics no matter the church. This is The Insiders. Economic factors are part of nearly every political discussion we have. Right now, Republicans in power point to near record low unemployment rates. Democrats point to the widening income inequality. I sat down with the president of the United Way of Central Iowa, whose organization works with those people who are struggling, and found out how she measures how people are doing right now. When we look at how healthy our region is, what are the factors you look at? So at United Way of Central Iowa, we lead the fight for the education, financial stability, and health of all Central Iowans. So we look at a number of different data points to really give the full picture of our community. Um, one that is really exciting that um, is showing a lot of progress is high school graduation. We um, set a community goal here in Central Iowa that 95% of our kids would graduate from high school. And we're proud to, to proclaim that 93.7 is the graduation rate that we have for three counties, Polk, Dallas, and Warren County, 20 school districts. And we have seen a 10% increase in high school graduation since we really started collectively working on this. So in the last 10 years, more than 4,000 additional kids have graduated than what it would have if we had just been happy with the 83% graduation rate. So that kind of gives us the structural long-term right. potential here. So if I look at these numbers from the Census Bureau, and these things are always tough, I feel, for us in that there's always a lag time. Mm -hmm. So these things I'm looking at, this shows us how we did from 17 to 18. So it's looking at these median household incomes. Right. And by this, despite the reports we hear about the economy, we've ticked down 0.1% uh, so that we're a shade lower than $60,000. Does that mean anything? So what it really, I think, is, is really important to think about is what does it really cost to live in central Iowa? You're probably looking at the 100% poverty limit, and that is um, the very poor, extremely poor. Um, we really look at 250% of the federal poverty limit. That's what it costs to in live. In ballpark, what is that dollar's wise? So um, like it's um, like 40000 I think, for a single person. So... Um, we look at that because that's what it really costs to live. And um, we um, have been watching that data for a long time. Um, and in the last two years, we have seen some improvement um, here in central Iowa. But we still have 33% of central Iowans who are struggling. 
who, if they had a flat tire or a health emergency, probably wouldn't have enough money in their savings account to cover those. So they're living very close to the edge. And we have not um, really kept up um, in Iowa with the cost of living. Um, our wage levels are still lower than what they need to be for um, families to thrive and to start to build assets. Aaron Kiernan did a story on the news a couple of weeks ago yeah, where she that. used, I think, some of your numbers, frankly. Mm -hmm. And one of the stats that really jumped out was it was something about about half our jobs in our state pay less than $35,000. Right. Pay less than $20 an hour. So how, how, how do we move forward from this? Is it that we have to attract better jobs? Do people need more skills? What's going to push us past that? So it's, it's a, it is a supply and demand issue. So we need both um, to attract better paying jobs um, in our communities and we need to upskill um, Iowans to meet those demands. Um, about 55% of the jobs um, right now are what are called middle skill jobs. So they need more than a high school diploma, but less than a four-year degree. And we only have 34% of our population that has those skill levels. So we have too many people who are low skilled and too many people that are high skilled to really meet the demands for the jobs that we have now. So we have a pretty big focus um, here. Um, well, we have a focus statewide. The governor's future ready is focusing on this. And um, here in central Iowa, we're focusing on that also to really uh, make sure that we have um, central Iowans and Iowans who are at the skill level to be able to um, make enough money to support their families. When we talk to some of these families, they talk about, though, that they're they feel stuck with this though. I mean, they can listen to what you're saying and saying, exactly, I need more training here, more skills so I can jump up a notch or two here career-wise, but I don't have a lot of money right now. I don't see how I'm gonna pay for college. Even if I could somehow just borrow all of that, I don't know how I'm gonna do the childcare or right. the transportation or whatever it is to get over that hurdle. So where do you all come right. in Right, so that's exactly correct. For most people who are living paycheck to paycheck, it's hard for them to take the time off um, from their jobs to get upskilled. So um, we have a number of different um, initiatives going forward in our community, um, healthcare careers and others where um, we're supporting them while they're learning. Um, the other really attractive way of doing that is through an apprenticeship. So you earn while you learn um, because you're absolutely correct. If you're somebody who is struggling to make ends meet, you can't take even six months off to get a welding certificate or... With no paycheck. Right, right, because you, don't have, you just don't have that safety net to um, help support you. Now, one Iowa community is looking at the number four. A middle school is one of four schools in all of Iowa with a prestigious national honor. Next, one of its longtime educators lays out what it takes to make sure all students can do better in class. Winterset Middle School has been a place with a little more pride lately. The U.S. Department of Education named that school one of four in our state as a national blue ribbon school for overall academic progress. The now retired principal, Wendy Sawyer, talked to us and she said this is all about trying to treat students the same but realizing that some may not be getting the meals, the attention or stable living environment like others do. And it is relationships first, it is student um, health first, emotional health and physical health. And so if a child's hungry, you know, we feed them. If they're tired and can't stay awake, they can take a nap. 
Um, we want to um, do everything we can to help them be ready to learn. Um, so that's, um, we just take the students where they're at and provide the support that we feel like could get them where they need to go. Drawing on your overall experience, how do you look at how it started under Governor Branstead where they did this teacher, teacher mentorship. Mm -hmm. How does that, how has that worked? And were, were there ever concerns as a principal where the whole concept here is you, it means taking out some of your best teachers out of the classroom for at least part of it sure. where they're helping the other ones, right? But right. that then means that class lost a really good teacher at least mm -hmm. part of the time. So how do you balance whether that's the right way to go? Well, we felt like in Winterset it was the right way to go. We understood we're taking a lot of experience out of the classroom, um, and we hired um, high-quality beginning teachers. Um, so that's a key in the success of the program, too. And then providing the supports that an instructional coach can provide to a, a first-year teacher or a veteran teacher as well. Um, that experienced teacher with an expertise can reach so many more students than um, the classroom that they had before. And how do you benchmark that? How do you measure success and progress? Right, well, we um, have our uh, national assessment, you know, that we use, but we also most recently um, have in winter set identified our essential standards from the Iowa Corps state standards. And those essential standards are the ones that the district collaborative teams of teachers say we will guarantee that all the kids will know this. And so we keep track of what percentage of students um, have the benchmark and which ones are not there yet. Next, the advice this award-winning educator has for the politicians thinking they should become your next president. Wendy Sawyer now has this national honor for her Winterset Middle School. She also has some advice for those people running for president when it comes to education. It appears there's starting to be a teacher shortage um, in the college universities and the education programs. And I think it can be tied to the, um, the lack of funding that schools are receiving um, to promote the profession. And at the same time, we're asking teachers to do more and more in the, in the classroom for um, not a lot of um, funding. So I think, you know, treating the teachers professionally with respect, paying them for what, what the work that they're being asked to do. You were, as principal, perhaps you didn't have to do a lot of the budgeting, right? Is that no. mostly on the superintendent? Right. But you still know how it, how it plays out. How can you put a number on it, how, how underpaid are our teachers? How much more should no. we be paying them? Yeah, I don't know that number, but I do know when the school districts receive 1% of the, the money that it's um, much less than we used to receive, and therefore- and You're the, talking about the yearly increase right, per student. Right, so it's um, much more difficult to keep expanding our programs and you know doing more for the students and their learning with less. Is there less a priority, do you think, that we've made, that our governments have made? in education or is it a different philosophy or what's changed? I'm not sure what's changed, but um, I'm sure there are lots of entities that, um, you know, are, are saying the same thing about their, their profession, that they need, need the support as well.
but it is our kids and our future and um, it's important to have quality teachers um, in the classroom leading, leading this charge. Another Iowan is not trying to educate middle school students. He wants parents to realize their faith should also make them realize that they need to take care of their health. Hear how he hopes to get that message across next. If you are a person of faith, you know that you're supposed to give to your place of worship, volunteer, read scripture, and many other things. But there's something a pastor turned author wants you also to remember, and that's your spiritual responsibility to your health. He's David Bush. He's the author of the upcoming book, The Body Gospel. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Dave. All right. Um, how does this go across when you talk to a congregation and say, here's the deal? You need to be in shape because that's going to actually help other people besides yourself. Yeah. Well, oftentimes I don't get to address the congregation because gatekeepers will keep me from being able to do that. But when I do get a chance to be in front of um, church folk, uh, there is usually a broad um, nodding of the heads and an assent to the premise that we are to guard our health and that our health is important to, to God and to help us pursue the mission of the church. Uh, but when you get down into the specifics of what has perhaps led them into a state of unavailability uh, or uh, a, a place where um, they're not able to engage their families or their marriages or their community in the way they should, um, sometimes you'll get some different responses and some pushback. And uh, my uh, goal uh, with this and other books and seminars that we do uh, is to try to work through those things and talk lovingly, gracefully, but truthfully about what Scripture says about our physical bodies and bring them to a place of alignment uh, with Scripture. All right, speaking of physical bodies, you keep yourself in good shape. So when you walk in and talk to people who are not in good shape, mm -hmm. do they resent you for that? Uh, I haven't gotten that, and I don't uh, make a point of trying to flaunt anything that I might have. Um, you're not going to find selfies on my uh, Facebook posts or Instagram uh, of me in the gym. You at the beach. Uh, yeah, and me at the beach. Uh, they, won't, they won't find those. Uh, that's counterproductive because that's really playing into the way uh, culture wants to drive things about body beautiful, and it really isn't all about that. Uh, for me, that's not my purpose, is not to get them uh, ready for bikini season. All right, so when Body Gospel comes out here, what what is the message? How do you give that, provide that connection to people that here's why it's important for you to think about your health in, your health in the service of your congregation? Yeah, um, I try to tackle several big, uh, big picture things. I talk about um, things that many people who are not even in the faith community would agree with and that is is that you should be there for your family and your grandkids and how are you going to be there for them if you're compromised physically. Uh, talk about issues uh, regarding their vocation and uh, how are they going to be able to give their best at, at work and work up toward those kind of common grace wisdom rationales uh, for good health into more intrinsic values that connect to their faith of stewardship ambassadorship about um, uh, the fact that the the Christian is supposed to be becoming sanctified they're supposed to be getting transformed into the likeness of Christ 
and uh, how that should be expected in all areas of our life, relationally, financially, etc. And uh, that our physical uh, transformation is just as important and actually impacts all of those other areas as well. As you well know, there are a lot of people who have physical limitations for whatever reasons, mm -hmm. right? Could yeah. be genetic, could mm -hmm. be just some fluke disease that hit them, it could be an accident, mm -hmm. birth, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. So how do, you, how do you talk to them? Yeah. Um, God is sovereign and he has allowed for them to either be born with something or if some tragic accident happened, he's allowed that to happen in their life. That's not their fault. And if they're suffering in their health uh, because of something they could not control, um, then my counsel to them was do the best you can with what you have. Uh, life's not through. There is still uh, productivity and there is still uh, things for you to accomplish if you're still here. But uh, the vast majority of, of the message is geared toward those who, because of self-inflicted wounds, have limited their availability and their productivity. Uh, and that's where the core of my message is to. But I've talked to some people who believe that God has given us a finite time on this earth. Mm -hmm. So when God decides my time's up, yes. it's up. Yeah. So why should, I, why should I bother with that? Because you don't know when that time is. God knows, and I believe he does have a set number of days for us, but the fact is, is we don't know what that day is. So the onus is on us to make the most of the days that we have, and we don't know what they are. And if he wants me to live to be 100, I want to be as productive as I can for those 100 years. If, if, if I'm going to die at 58, uh, then I want to be as productive as I can for those 58 years. I don't know but uh, that doesn't change the, the fact that I need to make the most of the years that I do have. All right, the body gospel, if you'll hang tight, I yeah. got a few more questions for you. The body gospel, by the way, is the follow-up to fit for a king, fit for the king. All right, when we come back, ice cream, music, and a prediction. They're all next as David Bush does the Insider's Quick Six. Stay with us. Time for the Insider's Quick Six with author David Bush. Question one, should faith guide a politician's decisions, and if so, how? Uh, if the politician is a person of faith, uh, yes, it should. It is endemic to who they are. It is the most important thing of who they are, and they can't somehow separate themselves from the most important thing in their life. All right, you're a pastor, but you've also been married uh, more than three decades. What is faith's role in solving conflict in marriage? Uh, faith uh, brings humility and a recognition that we're fallen, sinful people. Uh, that's always helpful if there's disagreements because that helps you take the first step in saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong, and that that is even a possibility. Question three, how should a devoted personal, how should a devoted person of faith handle wealth? Uh, the same way they should steward their physical body. They should recognize it doesn't belong to them, that it belongs to God. It's been given to them to steward by God, not to own and possess and do what they want to with it. All right, you have a diverse background here, so you're also a recording artist here. What is the purpose of your music? The purpose of my music is to help people understand that God is real, that he loves us, 
and that um, through Jesus Christ, you can know him personally. All right, I said he was diverse. You were also an executive at Anderson Erickson Dairy for a while here. So what's your favorite ice cream, Mr. Fitness? Uh, the favorite one that we developed uh, together as a team was white chocolate raspberry. That was a uh, white chocolate base with a wonderful raspberry variegate and chocolate raspberry large chunks of stuff that got broken up in, in the in the fruit feeder uh, as it went in there. That was a personal favorite. <laughs> nice description. You got mouths drooling all over. All right, we always end the show with a prediction. Uh -huh. What do you have? Well, in recent years, uh, despite all of the opportunities Iowans have to uh, improve their health, we've fallen from number 14 uh, most unhealthy to number four most unhealthy. That's not a good direction. I predict we go no further that West Virginia, Alabama, Oklahoma, and people like that, uh, we're not gonna enter into their territory because we're gonna turn things around and we will, we will not go any lower than the fourth most unhealthy state in the, in the <laughs> union. All right, Mr. Optimist. David Bush, the author of the upcoming book, Body Gospel. Thank you, sir, appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Let's stay connected throughout the week and we'll see you next time for The Insiders. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.